0: Open your Bibles, your translated Bibles, (laughs) to 2 Timothy chapter 1. As we continue, Aaron mentioned our series called Worth the Risk. Robinson's in that video didn't mention, they probably didn't have time to mention that there's great risk in what they're doing. In fact, they were uh, involved or part of victims of a bombing uh, about 12 years ago as they worked towards this translation. And their little girls were actually impacted uh, by that bombing. They're okay. But there's even emotional, physical scars of that. And so there's a risk when it comes to translating the scriptures and hostile cultures. There's a risk for just saying I'm a follower of Jesus, whatever culture you're in. And our prayer as we study this little four-chapter book, 2 Timothy, is that we as the family of God, followers of Jesus, will say yes emphatically. It is worth the risk because we follow a Savior who is risen and alive and working. It's worth it. It is completely worth it. And so here we are in 2 Timothy reading the words of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is probably, most likely, his last letter to the church while he was on this side of eternity. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1, and make sure you're in 2 Timothy. If you're in 1 Timothy, you're going to have a completely different sermon. But maybe that's what the Lord has for you, I don't know. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, it says this. Hold on to the example of sound words which you have heard from me, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Protect through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so these words have meaning and power here today. What a privilege it is to open the scriptures translate it into our language and read them together. And just a note, uh, such an honor and privilege to be part of this church, Calvary Church. But also it's an honor and privilege to be part of the Bigger C Church. And we got to hear Ivan Pitts uh, read the word of God and teach us last week. He did an excellent job. And today our senior pastor Eric Wakeling is at Second Baptist Church down the street in Santa Ana teaching today. And so how cool it is to partner together with the good news of Jesus Christ. And in both cases, both churches, the goal is this, is to pass on the torch of the gospel. And that's my theme for this short passage. How many of you are Olympic fans? Anyone like and follow the Olympics? You know, we we missed out on those last year. But ironically, it's still called the 2020 Olympics, although they're going to hold it in 2020. 21 In Tokyo, which Roy and Min uh, will be our mis- our missionary partners will Lord willing be there for the Olympics this July and August. And so this is a photo just a couple days ago of them passing the torch. It's a tradition that's gone on since the 1800s. And when the modern Olympics were formed, they wanted to do some things that paid homage to the ancient Uh, birth uh, of the Olympics. And so there was an idea or even some tradition that one of the events in the original uh, Greek Olympics was literally the passing of the torch. They would do a relay and hand the torch to the next runner who would then run. Kind of gives you a little bit added spice to the event, doesn't it? And so when uh, the modern Olympics began in the 1800s, they carried on this tradition, but now symbolically to say that uh, this is uh, kind of the common spirit of our world being passed to each other. This is to promote and celebrate the Olympics. And so right now, if you even go to the Olympic homepage, you can see every day leading up to July, then pass the torch throughout uh, the nation of Japan. But passing the torch has also uh, kind of taken on a different meaning in our language. Uh, It means to, uh, to, to... Uh, hand off responsibility, or to appoint someone and then give them leadership. And that's what Paul is doing here in 2 Timothy. He is passing the torch, so to speak, of the gospel, of being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the key question that I want us to wrestle with this morning is this. How do we pass the gospel torch well? Well, as followers of Jesus, as individuals, as families, and as Calvary Church. What does it look like to pass the torch of the good news of Jesus well? Well, 2 Timothy in these little verses give us some additional clues. A reminder that Paul is writing this from prison. Uh, church tradition says that he was in this prison in Rome... Uh, prison. This was a notorious prison like what we would think of as Alcatraz uh, here in the West. Uh, this was built in 700 B.C. So 700 years before Jesus, this prison was established in the capital city of Rome. This is likely where Paul was. Now Paul had been in prison before, this was nothing new to him. And yet, there was something about this prison stay that really gave him the feeling, the indication that his life was about to end. And he has this deep burden to pass on the gospel that had been entrusted to him. Quick reminder of Paul's story he was a persecutor of Christians, he was a Jew of Jews, he calls himself, a Pharisee, a religious leader. And the way pops up. These followers of Jesus, they're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul, in a sense, is defending Judaism by going after Christians. And so it's in the book of Acts, you see Paul at the stoning of Stephen. And he's, he's, he's looking for ways to, to quiet and squelch this new religion. He ends up going up to Syria... And on the road to Syria, Jesus shows up and he meets the risen Jesus in a vision. You know, I don't know if you know this, we're speaking about Muslims, they with the Robinsons in that ministry, but right now is Ramadan. And in this month, this is the high holy month for Muslims around the world. One of the things they pray for in this month is that God would reveal himself to them. And we know that right now around the world that Jesus is working, revealing himself to Muslims and saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. And so pray for Muslims during this month to come to belief and faith in Jesus. Just like Paul did through that vision. And when Paul meets Jesus, everything changes. His whole life is turned upside down. And he goes from persecuting Christians to now being entrusted to leading the first church. Specifically to non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles. Only in the grace of God could that happen. Paul's story is just a huge banner of grace. Just like... Your and my story is too, right? (laughs) No matter if you came to Christ at the age of 4 or 40 or whatever, your story is a testimony to the grace of God if you're a believer in Jesus, just like Paul. But Paul being entrusted the gospel now, seeing that his life is to be over, stuck in prison, he has this deep passion and heart to make sure that the gospel is now passed to the next generation. So he tells Timothy these words. He says in verse 13 that this is worth passing on. He says, hold on to my example. In the original language, this would be kind of the equivalent of an architect looking at blueprints. It would be look at the blueprints of my life and follow them. Follow that pattern. Copy them. My question to you and I as we consider passing the torch of the good news. Is Are our lives as followers of Jesus worth following? Could we lay out the blueprint of our life and say, yeah, th- this is a good life to follow. This is a, a life that honors Jesus. Paul was able to say that. And then he gives two ways that Timothy is to follow his pattern, follow his example, follow his blueprint. The first is to remember and follow my words. The second is to remember and follow my actions. And so you see that this first idea of sound words, in the original language, this would be pure words. Uh, the actual Greek word is the same word that we get for the word hygiene. So it's clean or pure. So, so Paul is saying, follow my pure words. Probably talking about all of doctrine that Paul has, begin, has been teaching the church through his letters. But specifically, talking to Timothy about the good news of Jesus, the gospel. You know, in our lifetimes, we get to hear good words. We we have the privilege of hearing some good words. And I started just kind of thinking in my head, well, what are some good words that, that maybe we've heard in our lives? Words like this The final exam is canceled. <laughs> Congratulations, class of dot, dot, dot. Especially class of 2021. I'm so proud of you guys enduring all that you've endured this year. Words like, I'm in love with you. Words like, it's a boy, it's a girl, it's twins. (laughs) Good words like, mama, dada. Good words like, congratulations, you are cancer free. Good words like, we'd like to offer you a raise. (laughs) That actually never happens, but just imagine that it would. Good words like they accepted your offer. Good words like seven days and six nights in Kauai. Good words like your table is now ready. Good words like I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Good words like the Angels, the Dodgers have won the World Series. That was a big sacrifice for me to say that, but good words for you. Some of us have heard many of those words. Some of us have heard one of those phrases. There there are sound, pure, good words in our lives. But for Paul, there was one sound word that was above any other word. And it was this. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Are those good words? Those are sound, pure, and good words. And these are the words that Paul was interested, passionate, giving his life for, to pass on to the next generation, to passing the torch to Timothy and to those that would go beyond he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Do you believe those words? Those are true words. If you are not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here just checking things out or you found us on YouTube somehow. and and I, I don't believe that's an accident here today. These are the words that will change your life. That Jesus who knew no sin took on my sin, your sin. And those that believe in Jesus as the Savior, the leader, the Lord of their lives will be cleansed once and for all. The cross is empty. Jesus doesn't climb onto that cross every single Sunday or even every day. No, the Work is finished. And so he who knew no sin became sin, but then rose from the dead, conquering sin, overcoming death. And those who believe in him have the hope of eternal life and the Spirit of God in them. Oh, let's go. (laughs) So these are the words that Paul is willing to give his life for. But he tells Timothy, It's not just my words that I want you to follow the blueprint of. It's also my actions. That I said these good words, these sound words, in faith, meaning trust, and in love. To get a good definition of what Paul means by love, you just look at 1 Corinthians 13. Another part, another letter that that Paul wrote. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not Self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And so for Paul, telling the Gentile word, the Gentile world about the good words of Jesus involved a deep trust in God and involved love, being others-focused. And all of it was done in the name of Christ Jesus. The motivation for Paul was not a platform for himself, fame, or any other thing. Paul's motivation was Jesus. He did all things in his ministry in the name of Jesus. And so here he's telling Timothy, I'm about to lose my life. I'm passing the torch of the gospel to you. Follow my blueprint. Speak the same gospel words and do so in deep trust in me, in deep trust in God and love and do it all in the name of Jesus. And so this good news of Jesus is worth passing on. It's worth the risk. And as verse 14 says, it's also worth protecting. Verse 14 says, protect through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The treasure which has been entrusted to you. Paul here Uses the idea of the gospel, the, the sound words of Jesus, and he calls them a treasure. Do we look at the gospel as a treasure in our lives? Speaking of treasure, I thought about this store, Tiffany Company. I don't know if anyone's ever walked into this store, I think there's one in South Coast Plaza. Uh, You walk in and you just instantly feel the wealth in the room. (laughs) They just have beautiful uh, rings and necklaces and watches. In fact, moms, how many of you just want something from Tiffany's next Sunday for Mother's Day? Does that sound good to you? Maybe? Okay. Husbands are like keeping their wives' hands down right now. If you bought something or were given something from Tiffany's, you would protect it. You would guard it. It would be a treasure to you. Is the gospel a treasure to us? Often Marie and I with our kids, we'll give them like $10 to buy lunch. We'll say, don't lose this. They'll wear their new sweatshirt to school. We'll say, make sure uh, you don't put it somewhere where you forget it we are constantly telling our kids not to lose things that are important in the first century there was high and heavy persecution against the church and against Christians and the temptation and suffering is simply to walk away to give up the cost is too high but Paul's reminding Timothy and those that would follow it is worth the risk, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That's a treasure worth everything and over everything. And so Paul's reminding Timothy of this truth. And then we come to the end of the letter skipping ahead chapter four it says this for the time will come when they'll not tolerate sound doctrine but be waiting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their desires and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths but as for you timothy as for you christian as for you calvary church Use self-restraint in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So the gospel is a treasure greater than anything at Tiffany's. And because it's a treasure and because there's outside forces that are pressing in against us, we are called to protect and to guard this treasure. That word can be interchangeable. In some translations it will say protect and others it will say guard. Calvary Church, we are called to protect, to to guard the good news of Jesus in this post-Christian world. One way I want you to remind yourselves of this. Every time you go on the five freeway and you pass Disneyland, which is now open (laughs) to some. There's this gardens of the galaxy ride that you can see from the freeway. I want you from now on to reclaim when you see that. To not just look at it and be like, oh, I would never go on that. (laughs) Instead I want you to reclaim it when you pass it on the five freeway to go, that's a reminder to me that I'm called as a follower of Jesus to hold the gospel as my treasure and to guard it. Let that be a small reminder in your life, in your day-to-day life. Everybody know what this is? Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, about four, four years ago, Marie and I and the kids had the privilege to go to Europe to visit some of Marie's family in Germany. Her dad's from Germany. And then from there, we went over to France. And we had probably the only van in all of Europe <laughs> we rented. <laughs> and if you've ever driven in the streets of Europe or particularly in Paris, it is not a place that's friendly to large vehicles. And so here I am driving this van, stick shift, mind you, trying to navigate the streets of Paris. And we wanted to go stop in to the Louvre. And so we're looking for parking all around that area. And we can find nothing that will fit this van until we see a sign that said, Buses here. We're like, okay. We're a van, that's kind of a bus, there's a lot of us, let's go. And so we pull down underneath the Louvre, underneath this like long winding driveway and we're underground, we pull into this parking place and it didn't even cost any money. The one thing in Paris that doesn't cost money. <laughs> we're like, we made it, this is amazing. We just stumbled upon the greatest find of parking our van underneath the Louvre. We're right above it, or right underneath it. We get out of the car within thirty seconds. We have security guards all around us, saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" We're like, "Oh, we have this big van. We're trying to park it in the garage." And they're like, "This is for..." Well, they said it like in their broken English. "This is for buses only." And uh, that's not a French accent. I don't know what I was doing there, but uh, they just shamed me in that moment of just feeling like, "What an idiot!" I was like, "Ah," and so we had to get into our van and. And, and get out of there. And we didn't get to see the Mona Lisa. So one day, Mona, will be there. But imagine that you are entrusted, because you are, with the gospel. With the good news of Jesus. Imagine it as your greatest treasure. Much like an art curator would consider the Mona Lisa their greatest treasure. This painting is estimated to be priceless, but if they had to put a number on it, they would say it would go for about almost a billion dollars today. Imagine you are working in the Louvre and you're entrusted with this area, this wing where the Mona Lisa is, and you walk in in the morning, you open the gates, you flip on the lights, and someone has done this. What would you do? There's a whole team in place, including underneath the parking garage for Americans who drive vans, to protect paintings, to guard them, to make sure that nothing is added to them. That should be our task with the good news of Jesus. We should protect and guard the good news of Christ. The book of Galatians talks all about that. It's not Jesus plus anything it's Jesus and Jesus alone I'm the way the truth and the life if you are ever in a situation where someone says it's Jesus plus you got to do this oh antennas should fly up you are called to protect and to guard the gospel but as Paul says in the previous verse in love but you're called to guard you're called to protect or continue on the Mona Lisa theme. What if you walked in and someone had simply just cut it in half? Ruining this priceless treasure. We are called to guard from people adding to the gospel. But we are also called to guard and protect from people taking away from the gospel. You'll hear this with just common quotes or slogans like, well, you know, it's all roads lead to heaven. You know, as long as you're sincere, I'm sure God will accept you. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God. Don't let anyone add to that and don't let anyone take from that. If we stay faithful to the gospel, we'll pass the torch of the gospel to those that come Behind us. Later on that trip in France, we were staying in a, a small town. And my son Seth and I uh, were, decided one day that we'd explore kind of some back roads away from the house that we were staying at. And so it was this dirt road and we began walking down. We thought maybe the main road was a little bit farther down. So we're, we're walking this way. And then all of a sudden, the largest, most aggressive, angriest dog that's ever graced the planet Earth met, Seth and I came bolting out of his house. Rah, 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 rah. And I gotta be so honest, you guys are my family. I ran. <laughs> <laughs> and Seth, Seth, this is true. He was behind me in that. But both of us just bolted out of there. We were so scared, just so surprised, so terrified by this guard dog. My other son, Samuel, when we got back to the house, we're like, we just had the craziest, craziest experience. He goes, yeah, right. It couldn't have been that big a deal. And again, great parenting move. I said, well, come see it then. (laughs) So Samuel then went ahead of us and turned the corner. And then we hear the barking. And sure enough, you see him running back to us around the bend. So from that moment on, the rest of our time here in this little house and village, we just took the car. We wanted to get to the main road. We were scared of that dog our entire week. Later, and this is a photo of us in the town square. Marie's taking the photo, Eden's (laughs) little baby. And you can kind of see a couple of our kids looking off in the distance, right? This town square is like three, uh, maybe a mile (laughs) from our house. But it's a distance from our house. If you can see my kids' faces, guess what happened? Brutus the guard dog showed up. (laughs) He looks a lot smaller in that photo than he really was. (laughs) He was vicious. Somehow that dog chased us down all the way to the main market. I don't know how he did it, but he was there to guard his people and his property. May we be guard dogs, so to speak, of the good news of Jesus. Not adding to it, not taking it away. This is the official logo seal of Chapman University. Now, Chapman is a great school. If you go there, teach there, love Chapman, pray for Chapman. So proud that Chapman's here in our area. But I want you to note that the seal here on this official logo, this is a logo today. It's in Greek. It says... For Christ and the church. It's on the Chapman logo that goes out with official documents. Their school is meant to be for Christ and the church. And they adapted that from their original name, which was California Christian College. You can see on the right hand or on this side here, this is on one of the main buildings. It says Christian education is the training training for complete living. I took this photo this week. It is now buried. I, could, I almost had to like push the bushes back. It's buried behind a plant. Now Chapman's a good school. I'm not here to bash Chapman. But you can see how easy it is to lose your mission, to lose your focus. If you don't guard and protect the gospel, if you add to it or cut it in half, you eventually forget the gospel what Paul is warning here. Earlier in the Old Testament, in Psalm 78, it says it like this. We will not conceal them from their children, but we will tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his power and his wondrous works that he has done. Calvary Church, my brothers and sisters, my friends, will this be our call? Will we carry on the torch of the good news of Jesus will we pass it on will we protect it to those that we pass it on maybe you've seen this photo this is Calvary Church 1938 imagine the people in that photo the things that were ahead in their lives the dreams that they had the hopes that they had for their church I'm sure there was strengths and weaknesses of this group of people. But I'm thankful today that this group of people in 1938 took the good news of Jesus seriously. They passed the torch of the gospel on to us. And we, here in 2021, benefit from their faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Amen. Imagine I took a photo right now on live stream, outside. (laughs) You've missed me, hon, these jokes. I appreciate it. (laughs) Imagine we showed these photos just 17 years from now. 2038. What, What would that church say about us? Would they say... That they were faithful. They they followed the blueprint of the good news of Jesus. They taught sound words. They protected, they guarded the good news of Jesus because they saw it as their treasure. May that be said of us. And here is the best, most encouraging news of all. Look back in the text, verse 14. It says, protect, guard through the Holy Spirit... ...who dwells in you. So church, we don't go about this alone. Single mom, as you pass on the good news of Jesus to your kids, you do not go into this alone. Grandpa, as you teach the younger generations about Jesus, you do not go at this alone. Life group leader, as you model Jesus to your life group, you do not go at this alone. Calvary staff... As you pass on the tools and the torch of the gospel to the next generation, you do not go at this alone. Who is with you? The Holy Spirit. God himself dwelling in us gives us the power, the strength, and the wisdom to pass the torch. Amen? That is good news.